0: Every second. after all we promised we be cordial. Hey everyone, Kristen Walker here, and I'm on with Dave Ballenberger, my co-host for the Business of Mental Health show. Hello, Dave. Hey Kristen. Well, I'm excited today. I think we're going to have a great guest. I agree. We've got a, a longtime friend and colleague of yours, Pastor Eddie Williams, who is the CEO of Lake Ridge Transitional Housing Program that's in Detroit. Pastor Eddie, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Well, it's my pleasure to be here today. How both are you doing?
0: Great. Great. <laughs> doing, doing good, Pastor. So, Dave, tell us, our listeners, a little uh, a little bit about the two of you and your history together and then what you wanted to talk about with Pastor Eddie on the show today.
2: Well, about 12 years ago, I had a business partner who thought we were going to make a lot of money in Detroit, and he dragged me down to Detroit to see Pastor's program or building because didn't have a program then, and I reminded Paul that I had chased truants to these neighborhoods back in my delinquency days. We went in to see Pastor, and the building was in kind of rough shape, and he was kind of getting started, and I think he wanted me to leave because I kept asking him about, was he licensed? <laughs> and then um, on the way home, uh, I'm in the car, and I we, we he and I stayed and talked for a while. My partner left. And on the way home, I something I, I said, well, you need to call this guy and help him. And uh, that was quite a while ago.
0: Okay, fantastic. So
2: that, <laughs> that, that, that's how the two of us met. And since then, um, you know, Lake Ridge has had its ups and downs, and the pastor can talk about that. But I think the thing that I really want to focus on today as far as the business of mental health is how hard it is for the small provider to operate in the system that we have. Um, because I know for the city of Detroit and in other cities like Detroit, where there's a lot of folks with issues and problems and they're poor, is that these small agencies are the backbone of the services they provide. These are the people on the streets. Um, not, not the big giant groups, three or four, that are in Detroit that yes, they get paid quite a bit, but and they provide services, but they don't provide the same kind of services that a Lakeridge would. And um I'd like to have Pastor talk about that struggle and uh first though talk a little bit about himself.
1: Well thanks, Dave. Uh I want to say hello to your viewers, uh to your listeners. Um you know, this thing happens like they said, it it seems like centuries ago, but um about Twelve, fifteen years ago, Dave did visit me, and I was struggling. I at first decided to open up, uh, bought a building that was a, um, a building in Detroit uh, that had about thirty-six units, housing units in it, apartment units, but it was infested with drugs and 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 crime. And having come out of a business career in construction, uh, you know, and living in that particular area in the D area um, of Detroit lino six mile area uh, that building did inflict a lot of crime on the area, so I had a uh, warehouse there and uh, in construction and uh, and just got tired of seeing the young men there just assault themselves and just bring havoc on the community had a little money then uh, bought the building um, and then decided to clean it up and make it in some decent housing but I didn't realize that the community was going to still be the same people. Uh, the, the department was going to house the same people uh, that was inflicting the, 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 the pain on the community. So uh, they were all had addiction problems, legal problems, you know, unemployment, that kind of thing, which happens in, in an at-risk community. Uh, and so uh, dealing with some of the clients, dealing with some of the uh, tenants in there, and they had been in and out of, uh, treatment. They said, you know, uh, you're just running a treatment facility. <laughs> and I thought about it, and I said, well, if I'm going to do housing, and that's what we really are uh, uh, attempting to do, or really we're doing, we're getting it done, is um, uh, is providing housing. And so they said, if you're going to provide housing, uh, you know, I might as well clean these people up, these folks up, and get them to the help so that they can produce. An income for the building in terms of housing. And then the rest is history. Dave uh, helped me so much and continues to help me uh, and uh, consult with us. And, and uh, we got connected with some agencies uh, uh, like Detroit Mental Health uh, Authority, Detroit Wayne Mental Health Authority. But at the time, it was called Detroit Bureau of Substance Abuse with Dr. Trent back then and we got a small contract for about $10,000 a year and uh you can imagine that paid maybe uh a light <laughs> gas bill for a season right but, but uh, uh so then we uh began to learn and about uh, the uh effects of addiction and uh we uh, uh went on to rehab the building get clinicians um uh, clients would come in, just walk in off the street needing housing. We would just allow them to come into the housing free, you know, so that we could try to help these people. There was no income for them. And we established a relationship and a trust in the community, uh, and um, we just continued to go from there.
2: Well, I think what Pastor's leaving out is, um, you know, here's someone who has a building. that He's surrounded by people who are in trouble and he gets $10,000 and he's supposed, then he's supposed to treat people, feed people, house people, keep them warm in the winter time and, uh, you know, and continue to keep them in care. And I think, you know, I think pastor, when you talk about this, you know, I think you have to kind of talk a little bit about some of the struggle that you've gone through as far as getting that $10,000 to be a little bit more. Yeah. And, okay. uh, and and even some of what we've had to go through just to keep it, uh, yeah. you know, in terms of where you're it's right. at right now.
1: Yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, first of the things you have to do is you have to go out and, uh, and volunteer our services uh, at a low rate or no money at all, uh, and then garnish relationships politically uh, so that we can get. Uh, on some particular payments for the DTE or, or gas bills or things like that. And also, uh, if you're not a named agency, been out for a long time, like some of the larger agencies, you know, uh, clients, you know, they tend to um, uh, not uh, want to come into your facility, you know, and get the additional help that they need. So we had, we ended up having to um, – uh go out and and do fundraisers we had to uh use our personal funds uh our personal financial funds that we had the, our savings and things like that but one of the good things about the city of Detroit is is that they do have uh they have other nonprofits like food banks that allowed us to be able to get the food that would like forgotten harvest or some of those agencies that helped us we also got some of our uh, some of the things that we uh, that we use for our beddings and things from Salvation Army as well. So the collaboration and partnerships, as you start going on, they start linking themselves together, and you get seems to get stronger each and every year. But what we mm-hmm. also had to do is start going out and filling out applications. We weren't big enough for grants at the time. Right. We couldn't. Our names weren't out there for grants. You know, it wasn't a familiar name applying for these grants, you didn't have five, six, seven, eight, ten years, you know, they would not pick you for these grants. But how would you ever be able to get money if you don't start somewhere? You know what I mean? You can't, you know, you just don't start off big. You you start off, you know, in, in the grassroots, boots on the ground. You see, helping these people who have nowhere else to go. So we we what we decided to do was we decided to – Go after uh, the smaller things like the city had, like block grants. Uh, block grants. Uh, we also decided to um, go after CARF, which was a CARF accreditation, which Dave helped us with, right. which allows which allows us to be able to get recognition uh, where you are accredited. So there's a several processes, and Dave, you might have to you remember. How, um, you know, at some point we were asking for, uh, the city of Detroit to extend us money and then they, they wouldn't extend us money. So mm-hmm. thank God, thank God that we were the pilot program and they allowed us to continue on.
2: Yeah. And I, and again, I think that's, that's part of the problem. Um. Because when you take a look at you know, and this isn't just true of Detroit, this is true all over the country. Um, we're just now working with Salvation Army in in Indianapolis, and when I was there visiting, it reminded me of Lake Ridge, you know, in terms of their struggles and what they're trying to go through. And you know, and, and you know, and you talk, Pastor, about doing fundraisers and things like that. Yes, we did that, and everybody does that. But you were doing that to survive. You weren't doing that to enhance an operating budget. What you walked away with was your operating budget, you know, in, in terms of what you had to do. And, um you know, I've seen Lakeridge do a lot of good work. But on the other side of that, there doesn't seem to be a lot of support for little bitty agencies or small agencies that are doing the job, but they're not getting funded. And they're getting hit with a lot of rules and uh you know I talked I talked to well we interviewed Major Williams last week but one of the things that's going on there is is that he's constantly getting hit with a new set of rules and he has a limited number of staff and, and Pastor Williams is too um and, you
1: know and it takes a lot of staff in order to be able to help the needs of these people because remember we're not only are we housing them we're trying to, uh, we have to transport them, feed them. Uh, many of them come in with no clothes, no, anything like that. So we have to stretch our monies, um, and make sure that we put it to a good use so that the client can get the best, so we can get the best bang for what we're getting. You know, you only get so much money, um, per day, uh, and then. You are, then the way they are also, the system is is adding all these policies about what clinicians have to have. So the state wants one, Wayne County wants another, City of Detroit requires this. So you're steady sending your staff to uh, different trainings to, to get the certificates just to get a little of the money. So, you know, it's very difficult to um, have a staff where you can concentrate where you have a peer coach you have peer coaches and you have the uh, msw's the clinician social workers now they have to have a peer coach license you know you know it's just it just keeps nobody where does it end at you know it just keeps hobbling along down the field kicking the can down the road you know and so what we're trying to do is is, is put together a team of integrated health care where we're not in one silo. So right now, you know, we're supplying all these these different um we we're supplying all these different needs and cares and um it it, it, it without the finances. Right. Without the finances, without getting paid for it because you don't have a certain uh certificate, you know. So and then it's hard to pull people together. For for the uh, to uh, to do the collaboration because everybody's fighting for the same dollar.
2: Right. Yeah. You know, and I think, Pastor, too, as, as a group, uh, one of the things we had to talk a little bit about because we're not, you know, we're not angels. Um, what happens mm-hmm. with the smaller agencies is that they all sit in their corner and they never come together to um, organize and pull themselves together as a group so that they have some say so and so everybody's so desperate to get the one nickel that's available that uh they're all i wouldn't say fighting with each other or even competing with each other
1: they're cautious
2: (laughs) yeah they're very cautious about doing anything because they're scared that if they do anything they'll be cut off yeah and uh and they won't get anything at all and again that is not just true of detroit i hear the same thing coming out of indiana I hear it from other places where we work with small programs in the inner city that, um, it's, it's the same thing. So it really becomes a struggle. And, um, you know, we have a huge opiate problem. Um, that has definitely hit Detroit, um, as with other large cities. And it seems like we keep talking around it, but we never talk about it, uh, in terms of what we could do as a group, uh, to get things done. Um, and now we're looking at uh, value-based payment, which is going to add another dynamic to this whole process. You know, in terms of if you can't prove that somebody got better, you're not going to get paid. And Wayne County Community Mental Health is definitely going in that direction. And when I say Wayne County, Detroit, um, you know, what city of Detroit and, and the whole, and, the, and, you know, the country is going to be going that direction too. So it's even, I think, going to become tougher, uh, for the small provider.
1: Well, one of the things that we do as, you know, as a small provider is is that we try to develop our own niche as well. Uh, you know, we do supply, we do uh, provide uh, housing, but we also, uh, we provide something called shared, shared living, you know, uh, at where our clients stepped up to another level. They only get one year worth of, um, uh, one year worth of services, uh, which is not enough. They give us four months. To to service these clients who have uh, extreme uh, uh, have severe problems. Uh, four months is not enough time to do anything, but this is what we work with. So it's so much harder um, because larger agents can dip into other pools of funding, where a smaller agency might not have all those pools of funding to move their clients about. But what we managed to do is develop a niche of housing where we we have. Um, uh, starting a program where we have skilled trades. And because we have a collaboration with, uh, other agencies that does job trainings and gives clients a few dollars, okay, then they can use those few dollars while they're doing the training to pay for, and we, we give them a, you know, we, we give them some type of a f- discount on their housing because of, based on what they're, they, um, what they make. And so, therefore, they don't have to live in the fear of, I did four months, I'm homeless, I don't have anywhere to go. So now we put them in this, this, this training program, uh, and they get a little money, they get a little bus card, they work around uh, some of the housings that we have uh, that we've uh, bought from the city of Detroit. And then they also then get we enroll them into a skilled trades for the city of Detroit, uh, this is uh, what we're looking to come, for, come in, uh, probably come into play in the next couple of months. So we're working hard to get that. And so therefore, they can establish some type of career and continue in the recovery community where they can get supports through outpatient. So we develop our own niche in order to be able to keep these people. Uh, the persons that are in need and have strugglings, so that they can feel the support of a community and feel that they're, they're on the upward mobility.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so uh, these are some of the things uh, that help us.
2: How many houses does Lake Ridge own right now?
1: Right now we have about 12 houses that we own.
2: Okay. Cause one of the things that we were working on together was developing a recovery community. Right. Where people would come, and where where Lake Ridge sits in Detroit, it's like you got three blocks up and down. And then we were looking at two blocks to get houses from the city that would rehabilitate. And then when people get out of the program, they go and live in one of our houses. With the idea being that if they start to get in trouble, they start to slip again, that we'll know it right away. And we yep. can uh, tighten them up and uh, pull them back together again and keep them going down the road. Um personally I think that's a fantastic idea. But um I think trying to get dollars for it has has been difficult. So oh, it's been um terrible. Yeah, I mean twenty one dollars a day uh wow. to to clothe, feed, uh treat and uh take care of somebody. Hard. Right. And yeah. uh so and so we are going in that direction. I know uh we're working with Pastor right now on writing a grant uh, for transitional housing that just came out from the feds. And um, I think if we get the darn thing written, right, (laughs) maybe you'll win (laughs) and uh, you know, and see what we can do. But um, it's been, you know, it's hard. It's hard. And it's getting harder. Um, Remember when I started in the seventies, it it wasn't this hard. And uh, and then when pastor started, and you know, Pastor talks about uh coming from a successful business background, uh Pastor's dad was one of the first black businessmen in the city of Detroit to develop his own construction company. And that grew to be a huge construction company, right, Pastor?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, income was twenty million dollars a year.
2: Yep, and they helped build Cobo Hall and some buildings downtown. Oh yeah and you know, and I, I like telling the story. Pastor told me that uh Jesus twisted his heart, and he decided he had to do something else, um, which is what I'm he did. On you. <laughs> you always but tell you me. You always tell me about that.
1: When you see the when you see the conditions uh that mental health has, um you know, put the stress in the neighborhoods. You know, you know, they're they're yeah, they're there downtown, but you know, at night they move towards into the neighborhoods. And, um, you know, and to be able to just, you just can't pass these people up and see them, you know, going, even the police officers now, they bring them to us, um, you know, because they don't want to take them to jail. I mean, you know, the poor souls having the mental episode, you know, and that's what we really need is more crisis centers uh, or beds to put some of these people in with funding. And but I think, because of the regulations and the things that are legislated, you know it, it makes it hard to really help somebody you know mm-hmm. and if they could really put some block grants into some of these non profit agencies that are providing pets you know for persons and collaborate with hospitals but it's it, the money's the money they you know mm-hmm. it's, you know the insurances and and all the different um uh red tape that they got to go through. they you know they you know it's, it just can't be done but we do what we can and i think we are making some headways here at lakeridge we are we you know we've taken a community that used to be uh riddled with um uh persons walking around in our community in the area that our our facility is now you don't have that any longer they know where they can get their help they'll come they'll come to us whether we can get paid for them or not we'll we'll provide some service to them and get them referred somewhere you know, and so um, I think that's one of the important things that there is a um, there is a place in every community, in a certain community, where people care, nonprofits that are not making a large amount of money, but are definitely uh, making sure that uh, that that they are uh, trying to lessen the effects in the community that that addiction and mental illnesses bring about.
0: How how hard is it, because I know you're having to go back and forth between what you can get reimbursed for insurance-wise, and that's a whole separate animal, and then there's grant, you know, writing grants and figuring out what grants are available, and then there's the nonprofit piece where you're working off of donations. So, how, how much work, just to, you know, give the listeners an idea, goes into each of those buckets in order to obtain funding?
1: Well, first of all, grants... Um you need grant writers the, You know, in the old days, I guess, Dave, when they said, you know, grant writer writes a grant. And when he gets the grant, he gets his money. Well, that doesn't work. The grant writer, writer wants the, you know, they want their money up front, you know? So where do you get that money from? You know, it's not like it's sitting, you know, you know, all your funding is, is, is already stretched out. So uh, the grants are something that as you begin to explore the avenue of, uh, of funders, Um and uh and that's that's more to me is more creativity, you know, that's more political outreach to me, you know, that's to try to find funding is something that has to be um uh visualized, so to speak. And you know, and 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 Dave and I we talk and we you know, hey, you know, what's coming down the pipe? What's you know, what is the what is the uh legislatures doing? What are they doing? Legislatures, um, and so we we think of ways to uh, we meet with um, with uh, hospital CEOs and we meet with uh, CEOs for mental health cares and all kinds of things and just talk about where can we find money. So we talk to our state reps. It takes why it takes years to develop that kind of funding yep. because most of that funding is already allocated out. So, How many hours well,
2: would you say a, work, a, a week you put into uh, working with political leaders, Pastor?
1: Oh my Lord, uh, I would say at least uh, I would say at least half the week I'm talking political with leaders. Yeah. So almost I spend sixty hours a I spend I eighty hour almost sixty hours a week. I'm a pastor, so I work seven days a week almost, so that you know. But in terms of I talk to a political leader at least three or four every day.
0: Wow. And that Every is day. to keep this at the forefront, and you know exactly. that you are one of many organizations that are doing the same thing correct
1: All, doing the same thing, and that means that you have to volunteer your services that means you have to you know um uh you know pick up people for just it's just a lot of different services you have to provide uh you know we do a um we do a feeding program on two sides of the city, and so what we do is and the city recognizes the need for the food program because people come in through forgotten harvest uh, maybe 200 people every two weeks will come to one location uh, where we have our church and then another location where we have our agency and we'll pass out the food and orchestrate it and develop relationships and ask do they need help with addiction or do they need help with their family what do their help need and so we have all this information and so this information is useful to the health department and other people so you know, so we kind of help use that alone, so it's a lot of different avenues uh that um we use to try to to foster relationships
2: yeah, I mean there's a lot that goes into that and um yes you know actually, if you think about it, you're spending that much time talking to politicians with proper funding. you could be spending that much time uh working with someone who needs your help right. exactly. and uh because, um, you know, I go to some of these things with uh, Pastor Williams, too. And I don't have any problem with politicians, but um, their end goal isn't always um, helping humanity um, once in a while. So, um, you know, I think you got to think about that, too. Um, so it, it, it's a challenge. And that's why when we talk about the business of mental health, I think these smaller agencies are a large part of that business in terms of the service delivery that they provide and, uh, and what they look like in the community.
1: Well, what happens when they, when they run out of services, a a client runs out of services, the larger agency can't receive them. They come to us.
2: That's right. You know, they only get X amount. Yeah. And when that, when that amounts up, they don't get any more until it renews and that's every year. So, exactly. where do they go? Well, they go to the smaller group that right. still provides the services and the care. Um, so, you know, so it's interesting, Kristen, just in terms of how this works.
0: Yeah i know and then a lot of people that you know we have a lot of listeners that are um you know in school right now to get into this kind of work and this is not anything that you know is part of a curriculum that i've heard of in terms of going into pastoral care or setting up a nonprofit like this um
2: but i, I could no, be it's, wrong it's, i don't it's, know it's, no you you're absolutely right it's it's hard you know you i know um, I took graduate students for a long time and um had them come down to lakeridge and uh I would tell them, well, for the first two months, you're gonna work directly on the floor with the people that come in the front door. They didn't come back
1: <laughs> well this is a- uh, yeah.
2: some of them some some of them did not come back um well,
1: this is a this is a um a uh um a job that you really Uh, have to have a passion for,
0: right?
1: Uh, you you, you know, and and you really have to be resourceful and care about people, you know? Uh, And so, you know, and because you, if you care about people, you'll find ways to help them. You'll, you'll find ways to help them. Uh, And, and that's what we opened up Lakers to do was to, you know, was to help people. And um, now, uh, you know, our name is reaching out there because, you know, uh, we can get it done we can get it done you know so we we believe we're uh now after because of all the hard work that we've done it's taken people say well i want to open up a non-profit well you you want to make sure that's what you want to do yeah <laughs> to
2: yeah do well what, what what did i tell you 14 years ago pastor Lance?
1: Yes. do you really want to do this because it's very hard <laughs> <laughs> and, and he really and you know what and that was an understatement <laughs> it's harder very hard. And so, uh, you know, many times that, you know, I was told I need to close the doors, but, uh, now, you know, we, we employ quite a few people, maybe 15, 20 people. Um, we have two locations, um, on one on the West. Well, both on the West side, but, um, in two West side locations, uh, we have housings. Um, but it was all done because we worked very hard seven days a week. And um, we took the funding that we had and make sure that we used it for the use of the agency. Uh, There's no Cadillacs, there's none of that kind of stuff. (laughs) There's just, you know, it's just the necessities to go out and make sure that we can continue on servicing the people in our community. And um, I believe in the next three to four years, I believe that um, we will be able to be right there uh, where Mental health is going. I think we're we're ahead of it. I think we're ahead of the wave. I think we, we because of we do see uh, being in the grassroots, being there, boots on the ground. We see it first. Yeah. See it
0: first. yeah. How do cold. you how do you deal with that piece where you know you have longevity in what you're doing and seeing how things evolve or devolve over time is imperative um and then you have you know people that are just coming out of school and getting into this field now and they may have learned you know some new things but they don't have that benefit of you know well <laughs> the right. wheels of justice turn slowly but they do turn kind of a thing how do you sort of manage that new person that's coming in and uh, excited and they they may have some great you know new ideas but um, sort of blending that with the I've been around a long time. I know how this works.
2: <laughs> well, I, you know, my son. Pastor, talk about there. John. Talk about John. Yeah.
1: My son, um, when he was going to school, uh, high school, he says, "Well, you know, I'm going to college, Dad. You know, and what, you know, what, what should I? What do you think?" And I said, "Well, I need to help John. I don't want you to be a pastor right now, so I don't want you to be a preacher because they <laughs> don't pay much." So, and so I said, why don't you, you know, go into social work and you can help us and get all the particular licenses and things like that, credentials. So he did. He went to Western University, uh, got his uh, degree, uh, his bachelor's now in uh, addiction studies, social work and addiction studies. Um, he's been working with me now. Uh, he graduated last summer, so it was in about six months, maybe. Might not even be six months. Um, and um he realizes now now he was with me uh when he was a little boy growing up seeing all this stuff i didn't think he really wanted to be involved in it but by him being around it and see people being in the neighborhood now if you're coming from uh, i'm not going to kick you of him, but you're not a, it's not a um it's not um urban you know you coming from an urban setting you kind of know you know how people are and people coming from school that doesn't really know people you know might be fighting by all of that you know what I mean so um, you know first of all you can't have any fear and intimidation about working with people and so my son when he came in you know he knew everybody but he did not realize he thought he could just put some policy down you know and they'll follow it <laughs> you know
0: Right. Yeah. So that's where the, the I've been there. here a long time. Uh, and yes. let me tell you, it really is.
1: <laughs> you know, he says, yeah, I told the guy to do that. I said, what do he do? He said, he didn't do it. I said, well, what are you <laughs> going to do now? You know what I mean? So, you know, and then he's dealing with staff, you know, how, because you used to could grandfather people in, you know, all these clinicians were grandfathered in. Now that's wiped out. So you got these old these old timers that used to be dealing with you know this hard love thing you know with addiction you know you you know you got to be hard on them you know and this and that, that and then you got a young kid coming here saying you got to use these theories and and you know and all these different teachings and so you got to clash even with the, the counselors so you know you know and but I I do see now that the system is trying to get them all on one accord in there teachings you know you got social workers you got you know persons that are peer counselors and all but they're trying to get them on the same page so they're all saying the same thing you see so but when i see young people come in um they don't know how difficult or how much trauma that this particular person might have experienced and still goes on to experience because it's not like they can come into your agency and get well and leave and got some nice place to go to so if, if they just see this constant revolving door coming and people just leaving and coming back, leaving and coming back, and I they have to I tell them you have to pace yourself because it's going to take time. And so with my son, he's realizing now is is that all he can do is is make sure that he is there for people to listen to them and to make sure that they he talks to them on a regular basis and really listen and not just tell them what to do, because it's not about you telling them what to do. It's about trying to you know, understand what they want to do and then guide them to where possibly they can do.
0: Interesting. How has the ability to get the right training for new people that come in? Um, how has that? How have you seen that change, or how is that shaped, you know, in the current climate that we're seeing today, politically, and you know, in the field of mental health?
1: Well, I, I really see it, it's advancing. Um, well,
0: good.
2: Good.
1: Not, it's advancing once the, once they make up what they really want to do. The system, nobody really knows. Here in Michigan, Dave might be able to speak on that better than I, but it doesn't seem to me that you really know what to do with these people. Persons coming in with mental illness, persons coming in with all types of trauma, persons coming in with all these, you know, uh, different uh, co occurrences. Um, what are we gonna do? What do you want us to do with them? Okay. Um, you know, and so the training has to be geared more towards the end. But I don't know nobody sees the end. So you just keep on going training and training and training. They got plenty of training, okay? But what's the end result for the training? Okay, Mm -hmm. you know, know, where does it all end up? We can train about peer counseling. We can train about mental health. we train, But you have a window of mental health, a window of primary health, a window of SUD, all these different windows. But you have to put them all together and do a training to make sure that it all, you know, is a steady yeah. stream.
2: Well, one of the things we're doing at Lakeridge is we're moving more in the direction of um, working towards functionality instead of diagnosis so that when someone comes into the program, okay, you're diagnosed with depression. You also have a substance abuse problem. Okay. Now, how are you going to live with those? You know, what are you going to do to manage? Well, probably going to take some medication, hopefully. But what are you going to do after that? If your symptoms get managed are you willing to do something to keep yourself clean and also to keep yourself moving in the community so i think when you think about program and this is one of the things i like about lakeridge is that we do spend a lot more time talking about functionality versus oh everybody's got this or everybody's got that that to me makes little difference it's about what we're going to do and what you're willing to do the patient the client what you're willing to do to improve your life. And I really think that's what Pastor's been talking about for the last 35, 40 minutes, because a lot of the things that he does are about that, because we don't have the money for a lot of therapists. Um, You know, it's kind of a common sense program where you, the patient, have to figure out what you're going to do to function better in the community and do what you need to do. And um, I think we provide some tools for doing that. Um, but I do think that's more the direction or the way mental health's going as we move more into some of these different payment systems. Um, you're gonna have to go that way. Uh, the day of 35 visits and your, your 35 visits are up and then you leave and nobody asks you, you're better. Well, those are gonna be gone and you're gonna have to show something. And I think at the end of the day, Lake Ridge is gonna be able to show something.
1: Yeah. And that's our hope. And I, and I, and I believe that again, we're trying to set up a, a, uh, a recovery community where people can come in, get in where you sit in, you know, where you're not just taking, but you are also bring, you know, so if you bring a positive attitude, we are sure that we can find something for you. Even If your services are gone, we mm-hmm. should be able to find some way to put you into a work a voluntary work, uh, uh force or something that, uh, that may be able to provide some monies for you, some bus cars for you, uh, you know, something that you, and therefore you don't have to worry about, you know, I can still be in recovery. I don't have to go back out and use again. Right. You know? So that, and then, you know, and because we have act teams to look at you and look on, you know, and, 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 and see how you're doing, those kind of things. So, yeah, that's what our agency is, is, is more housing, uh, than uh, there is anything else in support of services, but we do have yeah. clinicians. So.
0: so, how do you look at and uh, you know this will this will be my last question for for this show because we'll def- this is a long subject, but how do you see being able to? morph into, you know, evolve into having the integrated care piece where that's not necessarily what, you know, you're not going to have MDs on staff other than maybe a psychiatrist if you're doing any kind of prescribing at some point, but, you know, a general physician that also does that primary care piece since there is so much about integrated care and mental health coming together. Do you see that as more of a partnership with you and a um, you know, a general medical facility or are you having something in-house?
1: Well, you know, Dave and I have been talking about that for a while now. And, you know, and, and Dave and I like to call it like-minded partners, you know, where we collaborate with persons that uh, are like-minded. You know, we know that I can provide one thing and provide it well. And we think we do provide housing supportive services well. But there are also these uh, these clinics that these uh, uh, these, mental, uh, these affiliated quality health clinics that have sprung FQHCs, up.
2: FQHCs, Pastor.
1: FQHCs, you got it. Yeah. Um yeah. And so we have established relationships with those. Even the larger hospitals have them in the city of Detroit. And so we have went about and to uh, form relationships with these folks that we can tr- that we can uh, through different uh medical files. Uh you know, we have the next step medical file. Uh, that uh now if everybody had it if, if Dave could go out and sell everybody a next step or whatever, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, but uh if we could, you know, because everybody says, Well, I just need a information form filled out and uh, your client fills out an information form and you give it to your different healthcare providers and we all can talk. Well it doesn't work that way. Okay, you know, even though my client gives that form that he says I can talk to the mental health person, well, they're busy. They got 15 minutes or 20 minutes with their client. They don't have time to talk to me. Okay, so but if we can, what we're trying to do is, and we're talking all the time, and that's where we Dave mentioned about everybody's keeping their information close to the chest. I don't want to share too much information with you because I need all those, your dollars too, but. If we can get to the point, and there are partners out there that we don't want, we don't need, I, I don't need the expense of a doctor coming into my office and I paying for him and all this kind of stuff. I don't need all right. that. Right. I, what right. I want to do is do what I do best. And what I do best is take in persons that are homeless with co pro problems with mental health, substance abuse problem, issues, and I get them stabilized And I get them uh, 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 the support, the referrals they need, and then I can transport them with a a peer coach to where they need to go and stay with that person until they come out of there and then come back with the information. So that's how I see it. And then if we could, you know, the, the electronic file system would just make it so much better.
0: Definitely. Yeah, And I, I want to give a plug because we have to, <laughs> because I know that one of the ways that you're able to keep track of all of this is by using Next Step Solutions. And for those yeah. of you that are listening, this is a behavioral health EHR that I've recommended over and over and over again to agencies, uh, just because it's the only one I find out there that Um, can handle every single type of practice from a methadone clinic to an outpatient to an inpatient to a psych hospital. But, um, you know, that I want to put that out there. The website is uh, nextstepsolutionsinc.com for any of you providers or agencies that are listening. And, you know, they've been around a long time. And what's been fascinating for me is to see them, Uh, morph and change and be able to, you know, handle all the changes that are happening in the mental health and addiction treatment industry and be with agencies like, you know, you've used them, Pastor Eddie, for a long time. And they're a huge support of our show and our network. So um, and Dave is still, you know, with that organization. So, you know, I got to put that plug out there because they're one of the good guys when it comes to an EHR, which people can complain about a lot.
1: Well, it sure helped us tremendously when we got on uh and the um electronic filing system and it can do so many different things we revise so much different data so um so if if um the the upcoming future is trying to get day trying to get next step into all these different agencies it'd be great
0: <laughs>
2: thanks pastor be great.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on, Pastor Williams. Can you tell our listeners where they can find out, you know, more about what you do?
1: Yeah, they can just uh, Google Lakeridge Village, Inc., and it'll pull up our website.
0: Fantastic. Any uh, last words, Dave? Not for your life, but just for, you know, this show? (laughs) (laughs) No, No, I think...
2: um, I uh, people are Pastor and I have worked together for a long time and um you know, I really appreciate him and everything that he does. And uh you know, so um we'll just keep up the good work and keep pushing along. And I think at the end of the day we're we're gonna win.
0: Agreed, agreed. Well thank you, Pastor Williams, for coming on the show. Thank you. Enjoyed it. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in to another episode of the business of mental health on mental health news radio. Never without good intentions I heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for a podcast music listen to the full song on soundcloud at emily.so n n e don't be surprised when i don't hate on you after all we promised we'd be cordial. sometimes <laughs> in you i can find
2: good boy